Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So we're reading 99 Bottles by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen, and today we're going to finish off chapter 4, looking at sections 4.8, 4.9, and 4.10. These look at discovering deep abstractions, and then depending on our abstractions as we work on our code bases. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. How did you find the readings, Ron? So I'm really glad that we finally finished the refactoring. We can kind of look at where we ended with the solution and compare it to the past solutions. I don't want to give like too much away, but it definitely didn't end up, when I looked at the final solution, it didn't end up being as kind of clear and intuitive and obviously better than our previous ones and that I was really surprised by. Given the run-up to this these last sections were you that surprised? Did you think there were going to be like a different approach to really tie up nicely in this in these sections? Yeah not necessarily a different approach because I mean you know we have the flocking rules and I assume that we'd be using the same rules throughout but I thought the result of the flocking rules would be more of a oh, crap, I didn't think of that, you know what I mean? Or just something that was more like, a, oh, wow, like, oh, you know, but it was kind of like a, okay, sure. You know, it just, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. Yeah, I see what you mean. How about you? Again, I don't want to give too much away, but with the final solution, I thought that we were going to lead on to something slightly different with mm-hmm. the outcome. Mm-hmm. But if you boil it down, it ends up being very similar to the the previous things that we've looked at. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the book is just a really clever way of going over that review stage of learning. So you really get to grips with the rules. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I was like, oh, it's the same thing. But it's cool to have that practice. Although I've been trying to apply this 99 bottles process on other exorcism exercises. So I was looking at a fizzbuzz style one today where you've got to return different words if the number has factors of three, five or seven. And getting to shameless green was really easy. That was fun because I, I knew it was just like, doesn't matter, just get all the test green. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, right, time for the flocking rules. And I stared at the code for a really long time. I had this big conditional and it was quite different to the 99 bottles thing because it wasn't like I had a block of text that I was like, let me try and make these the same. It was like one word in each branch of the conditional and the more complex stuff was in each condition so it was like if this number is a factor of three and five or if this number is a factor of three and seven mm-hmm. and so yeah I struggled a bit with applying it and I've got to go back to that later and have a closer look mm-hmm. cool so let's dig into 4.8 discovering deeper abstractions so here we're looking at that very last that final difference so we have our verse method and we have our case statement And right now, we really only have two branches. We boiled it down to just having the when zero and then the else. And even within those two branches, we've basically refactored everything except for the last lines. So our when zero ends in 99 bottles of beer on the wall. And our else ends in... Oh boy, it's like all method names. (laughs) (laughs) Ends in interpolating the quantity method, taking in number minus one, and then interpolating the container method, taking in number minus one of beer on the wall. So we need to basically focus in on those last two lines and see if we can abstract them. 
Indeed. So we have of beer on the wall that ends both of those lines, so they're the same. And the word bottles in both cases is an example of using container, which we've already done. And so Sandy and Katrina want us to focus in on the difference between 99 and the interpolation of the quantity method. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we could do is change the quantity method to handle this 99 case. So if we look at listing 4.48, we change the quantity method to look like a case statement, and we have a case called when minus one, return 99, when zero, no more, else number to s. So the tests are going to pass, but this doesn't mean that we've got the right abstraction. And Sandy and Katrina say the first clue is that the above change gives quantity a different shape than that of the other extracted methods. And this was the first thing that I thought of myself. I was like, no, but now it looks different. So I was very <laughs> proud that nice. I got there. <laughs> and so if we focus in on what's not quite right about these changes, first of all, we now have a conditional with three branches instead of two. So we're increasing conditionals, which we never like to do. But also it says we sometimes check minus one, which is an invalid number of beers. And that didn't cross my mind. I don't know if it crossed your mind. Yeah, no, I didn't think about that either. Well, that's not true. I saw negative one and I thought that doesn't look right. But I kind of brushed that off as a, well, I guess that's just, you know, the way life is. (laughs) I didn't really think of it as a, no, that's an actual problem that we need to address. Yeah. And I like the bit where it says that these things, like it doesn't mean it's wrong, but they should make you think more deeply about what's going on and is it the right abstraction so always looking for those clues again going back to the gut like "Mm, something's not quite right so am I still on the right track Mm -hmm. yeah and even more specifically they ask us to ask ourselves two very important questions one what is the responsibility of the quantity method and number two is there a way to make the fourth phrases more alike even if not yet identical Mm -hmm. and that last one was the one that I got a little stuck on because I, mm-hmm. I didn't know because so far it's always been like let's find a way to make them the same but finding like an intermediary point I, I just I didn't really understand what that would look like or what that meant I don't know how you felt about that yeah same here and I think this is where I start to think oh this is going to come up pretty different because this is new this idea of more alike but not identical mm-hmm. we might end up with something looking slightly different as we try and get rid of this last difference Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here we talk a little bit about the point and, and what, what is it that we're getting at by using the quantity method or by creating the quantity method. And it talks about how really what we're doing is we're mapping the value of the number and then the string that actually gets sung in the song. So it's that relationship that we're trying to define. And if we think a little bit about that relationship, we know that the numbers are going down, right? So we have a number that we start with with the number of bottles of beer on the wall, and then the next thing that we sing about is going down. And so at this point, we're asked to look back at our deaf song and our deaf verses. So looking back at our methods that I don't think we've looked at in, you know, in a very long time, mm, at least. It's the same screen, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. And so if we look at deaf song, it calls the verses method and it passes in 99 to 0, which is our starting and our ending. And if we look at our versus method, it takes a starting number and an ending number. And it's really in that method that we are counting down and we're going from 99 all the way down to zero. Yes. And then there's a bit that I thought was interesting that I hadn't considered, which is 
in this exercise, we've been pretending, or maybe pretending is not the right word, treating the song as if it goes from verse 99 and stops at zero. But really, this song is a never-ending song. Mm-hmm. And so the key, yeah. the key thing to remember here is that when you get to zero, you then replenish all of your bottles and go again. Yep, that's really important. And this is what starts to help us work out what the abstraction might be when we're looking at why in all the other cases, apart from zero, we subtract one from the number argument, whereas in case zero, we go back to 99. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also says something very interesting, which is that this is not special. This idea that once we are at zero, we go back up to 99, it it feels special and it feels different than everything else because it's not going, quote unquote, you know, downward, but it's not really special. It's the way the song works. And I thought that was really important because for me, the hardest part of reading this book so far has been looking at two things that just feel so different that there's no way they have anything in common and just being reminded here that it's actually not special. That's simply what the rules are for the song was a really important clue in helping me think about some of the similarities that we can find. I like that we have some general problem-solving advice from Sandy and Katrina. They say, (laughs) when you're confused, don't try to solve the entire problem straight away. And I think that works in all cases, not just when programming. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go back to basics and we're going to start to ask some questions around what we expect to be returned in different cases. And so in, in the interest of trying to make these lines a bit more alike, but not the same, Sandy and Katrina ask us to think about the quantity concept that we already have and how we can use that to start to move towards eliminating that difference. Mm-hmm. And so in listing 4.52, what they do is they replace 99 with a call to the quantity method and just pass it 99 because all the quantity method does is return that number as a string. Yeah, and it was interesting because when I saw that solution, I was like, wait, what's happening? And then I looked at it and I looked back at the quantity method and I was like, oh, yeah, it is just telling us what the string is that needs to kind of come out at the other end. So it's okay that it doesn't, you know, for now anyway, it's okay that it doesn't look exactly like number minus one. It'll still give us the result that we want. Right. And so by doing this, we can now see that 99 is matched up with number minus one. And so given that that bit is the bit that's different now, they must represent the same concept. Remember that bit that I was struggling Mm. with the other week where it was like, if they're the same place, then they must represent the same concept. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so that's what we've got to do. We've got to now match the number 99 and the number number minus one. So this is the thing that for me was not obvious. Like I I get that they represent the same concept concept in that they they stand for the same thing like they're, they're both getting to the same thing but that was not synonymous to me with therefore this concept is a method that we have to name and replace with you know a method name like that was th- that was a, a leap for me to get to because I looked at that and I thought okay cool and then the next line says as always you must make this concept quite a method and I was like oh, okay, that's what we're doing. <laughs> so I don't know how what your reaction was to that, but I was I didn't quite make that connection when I first read it. It took me a second reading to understand exactly what they meant and to realize that, aha, this is exactly what we've been doing all along. But if they hadn't had laid it out as they had done, I'm not sure I would have gotten there by myself so quickly. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. And even this idea that, so, so even when it was, 
called a concept. I wasn't sure what the concept actually was. You know, I, I trusted that there was one because they were lined up and that's the rule that we've been following this whole time. But at that point, I couldn't look at that and go, oh yeah, this represents X, you know, or this represents this name. I, I definitely wouldn't have gotten there on my own. I was exactly the same. But then when I saw the solution, I was like, oh, this is so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, how do you link 99 and number minus one? Right. <laughs> They're so <Look> different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so the concept that we're talking about is simply the next verse to be sung. That's the whole thing. Yes. So we're talking about 99 or the number minus one. At the end of the day, we're talking about the next thing that we're dealing with. And so here we talk a little bit about how next is a keyword in Ruby, so we can't really use that. But there's this idea of a successor and the successor concept that fits in pretty nicely. And so one of the first things we do is we're going to define the method successor. We're going to have it take in an argument called number. And then we're going to play it safe and return the else branch difference, which is going to be number minus one. Yes. And then looking at listing 4.55, just how we've been doing, we replace number minus one in the else case with successor taking number as an argument. Yep. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go back to our successor method and we're going to create an if-else conditional where we have if number double equals zero, return 99. Otherwise, we're going to return our original number minus one. So now that we have that conditional, we can replace that 99 with our successor method, which makes our zero in our else case statements identical. That's pretty fast. I know. Yeah. It's almost as if, you know, we, we said it was successor and boom, there it is, successor. <laughs> That's exactly how we code. Boom, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because Sandy and Katrina touch on this a little bit more, but I think it's actually a pretty big point because when I looked at successor, I had to stop and go, wait, how is this different from quantity? How are they related? You know, at some point I was thinking, wait, is successor going to be the thing that replaces quantity? I wasn't sure exactly how they were going to play together. But at the end of chapter 4.8, Katrina and Sandy say something that's really, really important, where they say that quantity is about choosing what to sing for any number, any number, no matter you know what the number is, versus successor, which is deciding what verse to sing next. And that one line for me just made so much sense, and I, and I wish they'd expanded on it a little bit more, because I think that was just a crucial difference, because up until that point, I, I kind of felt like they were related, they were like, maybe brother and sister, but, yeah, you know, like, do they like each other? I don't know. And that, <laughs> you know, clarifying that and, and really explicitly declaring what their roles are just made it a lot more sense for me. Right, and then taking that knowledge and going into section 4.9, depending on abstractions, it says, okay, now we've really drawn out these responsibilities, this idea of quantity is distinct from successor. How can we use them to greater effect in the rest of our code base? And again, this is something that didn't click with me as at all. And I had to read it a couple of times and go, okay, yeah, I guess. But it's this <laughs> idea that when we see number minus one now, it means that we're always referring to successor. And given that mm -hmm. we've defined that concept, we should go through our code and replace number minus one with all calls to successor. Yes. And the important thing here is this idea that as we continue to develop on this code base, if we miss 
opportunities to label our abstractions wherever they pop up within the code base, then there might be things later on down the line that we need to refactor that becomes trickier because we've not caught all the cases that are outstanding. So later on, if there's something to do with successor and number minus one, we might get a bit stuck because we're sort of like, huh, I've got the successor thing, but I've also got to handle these number minus one cases. And so it's all about trying to make sure that you you take full advantage of any abstractions that you do find. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it brings up this really important point, which I kind of glossed over, where it talks about how when we're using the container method and we're calling it for the zero case statement, the argument that we end up passing in is negative one. Right. And it kind of works out that we return bottles because when we're in the zero case, then we're actually going up to 99 bottles. So that works out really well. But Sandy and Katrina point out that although this works and it passes the test, it's an accident and it's not by design. And again, it's a really important moment where when I first saw that, I thought to myself, well, that's not supposed to work that way. But my reaction was not, okay, that's not good. Let's fix it. My reaction was, awesome. We get a, we get a, free, a free point for that because mm-hmm. it works. <laughs> you know. And so for me, it was a good reminder and a couple of times just in this episode where when things feel either lucky or accidental or a little funny, that's when I need to pause and say, wait a minute, is this really how this should work? Or is that, you know, a sign that maybe I need to examine it and see if I can find an abstraction? And so in that example, we take our number minus one, and when we replace it with this idea of a successor, it still works, but now it actually makes sense. Yes. So now our zero and else cases are the same. And so the moment you've been waiting for, Saron, we can delete the zero case. (laughs) Yes. And we only have one template or one, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. One template to work from for all of the first cases. One branch. Yeah. Is it a branch if there's only one? I don't know. Is it just like a trunk? I don't know. I don't know how trees work. Yes, and now we only have one solution, and it is definitely a lot shorter than our original one was. And so if we look at the full resulting code, we have our class bottles, we have our def song, which calls verses and then passes in 99 and 0. We have our def verses, which takes our starting and our ending and counts down. We have our def verse method, which takes in a number, and that's what we've been working the on for the last... The the star, right. We've been doing that for two chapters now, I think. Mm. And then we have a bunch of other methods that have come about from the refactoring of verse. So we have our def quantity, we have our def container, our def action, our def pronoun, and our def successor. So we have, what is that, five? Mm-hmm. Five new methods from the refactoring of verse. So when you looked at the final solution, what was your reaction? How did you feel about it? I felt there was a lot of interpolation going on. Yeah. But I felt like, so I read it, I actually just read it from left to right. So I was like, quantity number dot capitalize container number of beer on the wall. And I thought, ah, I guess it does make sense. It's not so tricky to work out what's going on, but it wasn't as crystal clear upon first glance. And I know I had a lot of context because I was, I'd worked through the refactoring and I wondered in my mind, what if someone cold comes in and looks at this? Would mm-hmm. they be able to piece it together pretty quickly? Mm-hmm. And it was just yeah. hard for me to say because I'm biased. <laughs> right. Yeah, 
To me, I looked at it and I said, is it better if we created five new methods from that initial one method? And I had the same reaction you did where I thought, okay, if I was coming into this cold, if I didn't know what the 99 Bottles of Beer song was, I'd never heard of it before, could I look at this and figure out what was going on? And I think it would take a little bit of work. Like I think it would, I don't think it's impossible. I don't, I don't even think it's difficult, but I think it would take a moment or two to go, okay, so I start here and then I pass and okay, then it's no more than, you know, I think it, it, it would take definitely more work than our shameless green solution for sure. Mm-hmm. So what I found so interesting is that when we look at our flog score, mm. this, yeah, remember the flog mm-hmm. score? <laughs> uh, this code is actually worse. Uh, it's worse because we have a bunch of interpolations. We have a lot more methods. We have just more code. We have 55% more code than our shameless green solution. And so uh, Sandy and Katrina say that programmers argue that it's better, probably because it just, you know, it just looks more programmy, if nothing else. Um, but our flog score thinks that it's worse. But Sandy and Katrina argue that even though our flog score is lower, this code actually is better. And it's better because the static analysis tools that come up with the flog score don't see that we're able to contain and name the abstractions that are those new methods. So they can't see the value of having a container and a pronoun and a quantity and action and successor concepts. And that is really valuable. I do, like, just given how much time we spent talking about the score, I do wish that there was a full section about that score. And I, because even in here, it doesn't talk about what the actual score is for the solution. And I would love to see what that score is and actually have a real conversation about, you know, is it just one point off? Is it the lowest of all the solution? You know, kind of where is it? And how do I know whether or not to take that flog score seriously and when to kind of, you know, use it with a lot of caution? Yes, I, I definitely felt it was a sort of, but yeah, ignore the flog score. It's better. Trust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think hopefully in chapters five and six, we're going to really see the value of having these concepts pulled out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so 4.10 is the summary and the last part of chapter four. And here we just talk about how the flocking rules are, you know, as you mentioned, Nadia, at the very beginning of this episode, we've been using the same rules to get to this point. And it's, you know, the, the same handful of rules for each abstraction. And we've been pulling things out. Uh, sometimes we took bigger steps than other times, but we're still using the same rules and asking ourselves the same questions. And what is really interesting is at the end of the chapter, Sandy and Katrina say that if you gave... Yes. Yeah, right? right? I think it's I know what you're going to you... say. I probably like to do uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, same. That if you've given everyone this code and told them to follow the flocking rules to refactor the verse method, what would the resulting code look like? And they say that it would look identical. The names might be different, but the concepts and generally the code would be identical, which I thought to be very interesting. I'm curious as to how they got to that conclusion. Like, I I, kind of hope and wish they, you know, gave a bunch of random people this exercise and ended up you know, saw where they ended up when they used the flocking rules. Me too. I was very much like, really, really? I guess if you're applying the flocking rules in exactly the same way by virtue of it, you would do. But how how similar is everyone's interpretation of the flocking rules, Mm. if that makes sense? That's actually a really good question. Ah, I like that. Yeah, because the flocking rules are 
they're specific, but they're also pretty vague, you know? Mm. So, like, finding the similarities is, you know, how what do you define as the similarity? The fact that they're both strings versus integers, the concepts, the, you know, even if we talk about abstracting concepts, we've talked about it at so many different layers, right? Like, the very granular, you know, do I add an S or do I not? But then the more conceptual of, well, what is a container at the end of the day, you know? And so, yeah, I think there's enough room for interpretation on those flocking rules that I'd be very surprised if everyone's code was actually identical. Me too. Yeah. And so we end that chapter looking forward to chapter five and saying, we're going to return to the six pack problem. And I had completely forgotten about the six pack yep. problem. <laughs> Me too. I was like, oh yeah, that's why we started down this track. <laughs> yes. Yep, and that's going to be chapter five. So we'll start on that uh, next week. So we finally finished our refactoring. And so we want to know, how do you feel about it? Do you prefer the solution or do you like the shameless green better? Tweet us your responses at WeBookClub and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio.